Collective, how are you? Come on, that's weak with a side of weak. Collective, how are you? Yes, yes. Uh, I consider um, it's an honor to be here. Um, my name is Josh Oxendine, and I get the great uh, privilege of leading our Jacksonville location. Um, I love it. Originally from Atlanta, so if you hear a little twang in my voice, it's because it's that southern drawl. So uh, I want you to, to look at the person to your left and say, it's about to go down. All right, all right. I want you to look to the person to your right, and I want you to say, I don't have COVID. I think. Yeah, we don't know. We don't know. This is my wife's iPad, and it's a bit, bit giving me a, there we go. <clears throat> All right, so we are kicking off a new series called The Afterlife, right? And there's a few things within life that are just inevitable. Taxes, maybe you pay them, maybe you don't, and death. And no one really likes to talk about death, to be quite honest with you, right? We sort of ignore it. We don't want to really talk about it. It doesn't come up in everyday, everyday conversation. <coughs> but here at Collective, that's how we're going to close out the year, right? We are going to talk about it because we believe there are questions that maybe some of you are asking, like what happens after life? What happens after I die, right? Or maybe, hey, is, 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 is hell real or what is heaven like? But today, what we're going to do is we're going to look at sort of that in-between. What I mean by that is that we are going to look at what it looks like to live right now in the current through the lens of eternity. Does that make sense? Right? For instance, I want to ask you this question or, or pose this. If you knew the day and the time that you were going to, to die would it change how you live, right? Let's just say like we had a, 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 a jar of marbles, and let's say what the average person lives maybe 75 years, and let's say you have 75 marbles in there, and the, the, you, you, you saw it going down to, th to, to 30 and 20 and 10. Would, if you knew the day and the time, would that change your life? And that is what today is about. If you're going to title a series, title a, a message, this one is called um, Living for Eternity. And that, my friend, is living with eternity in mind. Let's pray. Daddy, I thank you so much for this incredible group um, of young adults that are here just running ferociously after you. God, I ask right now that you would begin to open their eyes and pierce their hearts. Um, maybe for people who don't know you or are along in their spiritual journey, but I ask and I pray that you would allow them to see Jesus tonight. I pray that Jesus would begin to move in this room and the spirit um, would be thick. We love you. It's your name I pray. Amen. So several years ago, and by several years ago, I mean 15, um, I was in my early 20s, right? And I was living life. I was living life. Uh, I, I, at the time, I lived in downtown Atlanta, and I lived in the 
nicest and the newest and the most desired condo in downtown Atlanta. Matter of fact, there was an intersection right beside my condo that was the most photographed intersection in all of Atlanta, right? Had this, like, concrete walls, one glass. All the, all the guys were like, yeah, the girls were like, that's just disgusting. I would never live in a concrete. But it was just that, right? And for me, um, I was living life. I had a really, really good job. I drove a two-seater sports car. When I would go out and hang out, um, I was able to network through my job. And so when I would go to a Braves game, I sat behind home plate. When I would go to a Falcons game, I'd sit in one of the six owner suites. When I would go to a Hawks game, no one goes to Hawks games, but when I went to Hawks games, I sat courtside. I would go out to eat, and at this point, you know, maybe occasionally take some dates. Um, I would literally walk in the restaurant and feel like a celebrity. They didn't hand me a menu. This is the question they asked me. Do you have any allergies? That's what they asked me. And then they just brought like half of the menu out to me, it seemed like. I felt like a celebrity. And, 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 and the unique part about this is from the outside in, it looked as if everything in, inside of me or a, a, everything I had it all together. The perception was that I had it all together. But each and every single night, I would go home, and I was broken. I was crying, and there was a sense in me where I was searching for something. I was searching for fulfillment. I was searching for something to fill this empty void in my life. And the reality is I think that can be said for many of us. And so I want to ask you that question. What is satisfaction? And after you answer what is satisfaction, I want to ask you, are you satisfied? Are you fulfilled? And if we were to answer this question honestly, we are all searching for satisfaction or fulfillment. No matter what. It's just built in our DNA, right? We want to go out. We want to have fun. We want to do these things. But that is that that's it. That's that's what we think life is. That's what society tells us of how we pursue fulfillment. But the unique part is there is a book in the Bible called Ecclesiastes that walks us through the life, um, somewhat of an autobiography of a dude named Solomon. Y'all say Solomon? Right? And 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 he was a king and he was an epic king, probably the the, the most epic king that there that there was. Um and uh, he, he honestly, the dude was like a, he was a straight up G. Like he was like the combination of Albert Einstein, uh, Chris Hemsworth, and the Beebs, right? Like it was just all of those. And we're going to get into detail of, 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 of his story. And you'll be like, oh, yeah, that sort of makes sense. But this was what this guy did. He searched for satisfaction. If there was ever any man or any person to, to test the meaning of life or test the, that satisfaction is found in what the world says it is, it is this dude, King Solomon. So, if you have a Bible, uh, turn to Ecclesiastes. We're going to be in the, uh, in the first chapter and the, um, and the second chapter. Um, and so I'm going to read this verse. If you don't have a Bible, you can look on, on, the, on the screen. It says, um, we're going to go to verse 2. And in some, in, in, in some Bibles, I, I, instead of this word meaningless, it says vanity, vanity. But we're going to say meaningless, meaningless, says the teacher, utterly meaningless. Everything is meaningless. This is with this word vanity. Like I said, in, in, uh, maybe in other versions, we say it'll say vanity, vanity, all is vanities. 
even in Hebrew, is communicating meaningless. So there's, there's, there's no getting around it that, that meaningless is what this is trying to say. Now, we can all agree. We can all agree that some things in life are meaningless, right? Right? Some things in life are meaningless. Neckties, meaningless. Socks, meaningless. Cats, meaningless. Cardinals baseball, meaningless. Yeah, 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 come on, that's all right. This next one's really going to... Illinois football, meaningless. Right, yeah, okay, sorry. Diet soda, meaningless, right? That's the, yeah, okay, all right. I could, I could, I could continue and, you know, but, all right, I'm just going to stop. And I'm going to, let's add uh, fat-free honey mustard, meaningless, right? But everything, like, so, so you're telling me, dude, everything is meaningless. So, okay, Solomon, you, something's going on, bro. Like, what about marriage? No, it's meaningless. What about pleasure? No, it's meaningless. What about wealth? No, it's meaningless. See, this makes me just want to give the dude a hug, to be quite honest with you. Like, he just, this is literally the, this is the second verse. And he's just saying, hey, everything in life is meaningless. And he's going to go on to unpack it. And so, matter of fact, over the next 12 chapters, he uses this word, meaningless or, or, or vanity. It, it's this Hebrew word called habel, and it's used 38 times over the entire book. So my goal over the next 20 minutes is going to, um, to try to walk you through his life of testing what it looked like. I'm telling you, the dude lived a life of, like, trying to find satisfaction and testing satisfaction and fulfillment. And then we're going to pull three truths out of it. So let's continue to read in this. Uh, so let's, uh, let's go to verses 4 through 7. It says, generations come and generations go, but the earth remains forever. The sun rises and the sun sets and hurries back to where it rises. The wind blows to the south and turns to the north. Round and round it goes, ever returning on its course. All streams flow into the sea, but the sea is never full. To the place the streams come from, there they return again. It goes up, it goes down, it goes out, it goes in. He's saying life is a treadmill. It's like a treadmill. And some of us may feel that way, that we get up, we take a shower, maybe. Um, we eat breakfast, then we go to school or we go to work, and then we get off of work, and then we work out, probably not. And then we continue on, we have dinner, then we go to sleep, we watch a little bit of TV, maybe we search on Instagram or, 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 or Snapchat a little too long, probably too long, and sure enough, we do it all over again, and it's like Groundhog Day, it's repeating itself, and there's nothing new under the sun. And he's like, if you think that you've broke the mold, that in some way that you've found some extra fulfillment in life, He's like, you haven't. You haven't found extra fulfillment in life. And he says this in verses 8, 9, and 10. He says, all things are wearisome, more than one can say. The eye never has enough of seeing, nor the ear its fill of hearing. What has been will be again. What has been done will be done again. There is nothing new under the sun. Is there anything of which one can say, look, 
hey, this is something new. No, it was here already long ago. It was here before our time. <laughs> Dude is depressing, right? Like, this is, everything in life is meaningless, okay? Just letting you guys know it's just dumb, right? And if you think you can break the mold, sorry, you can't, right? Who is this dude, and why is this in the Bible? Like, that's what it makes you like, what, what, is, what, what is going on, right? Matter of fact, in verse 14, you, it's not up on the screen, but he says, I've seen everything that is done under the sun, and behold, all is vanity and striving after wind. What he's saying is, and what he's about, we're about to explore, is he's saying, I've been there, I've done that, I've experienced it, I bought the T-shirts, I'm telling you that every single tunnel that you might be searching for in life to find satisfaction, to find fulfillment, he's saying, I'm telling you, don't walk down that tunnel. It's meaningless. It ends to just, it end, it, it, you're going to end up lost. Don't go down this tunnel. Don't do this. But he's going to begin to say, hey, let me, let me share a little bit about what I've done. So we're going to skip over to chapter 2, and we're going to read verses 1 through 3. He says, I'm going to devote myself to trying to find satisfaction in all the ways the world says to find satisfaction. So in verse 1, he said, I said to myself, come now, I will test you with pleasure to find out what is good. But that also proved to be meaningless. Laughter, I said, is madness. And what does pleasure accomplish? Verse 3, I tried cheering myself with wine and embracing the folly. My mind still guided me with wisdom. I wanted to see what was good for people to do under the heavens during the few days of their lives. We're going to continue on. Verse 4. I undertook great projects. I built houses for myself, and I planted vineyards. I made gardens and parks and planted all kinds of fruits in them. I made reservoirs to water groves of flourishing trees. I bought male and female slaves and had other Slaves who were born in my house. I also owned more herds and flocks than anyone in Jerusalem before me. I amassed silver and gold for myself and the treasure of kings and provinces. I acquired male and female singers and, and a harem as well, the delights of man's heart. I became greater by far than anyone in Jerusalem before me. And all of this, my wisdom stayed with me. I denied myself nothing. Capture this, right? I just denied myself nothing my eyes desired. I refused my heart no pleasure. My heart took delight in all my labor, and this was the reward for all my toil. So this dude goes on this journey to test, to try to find satisfaction, to test the meaning of life, per se. So this dude threw parties. Like he threw some Partes, right. That's what we're going to call it. He threw some parties, okay? So he bought in the best entertainment. So you're talking about, like, you're talking the Kevin Hart, the, the, you know, Amy Schumer, right? Like, band-wise, he's bringing in, like, T-Swift and, again, the Beebs, because who doesn't like the Beebs, right? He's bringing in, he's bringing in the best of the best and bringing them in. Instead of downloading the music, he's going to bring the artist in because this is what he's after. You're thinking, okay, some partied, but yeah, did he party? Like, come on. Like, I don't think he partied because I know how to party. And no, I don't think he partied. You know, like, is, wh what's going on? Okay, all commentaries within this passage, and there's another passage in First Kings that speaks to this. Um, 
But Solomon would go. This is a day, okay? This is a day in the life of Solomon at one of his parties. He would go through 220 liters of that good drink drink, okay? Right? 220 liters of the good drink drink. He would have 10 oxes, 20 cows, and 100 sheep. Again, in every commentary says the same thing. He was putting on parties for fifteen to 20,000 people per day for days upon end. I don't know about no party y'all be throwing, right? It isn't. Yeah, it makes your little barbecue or your little kegger you got going on in your backyard look like preschool to King Solomon. That's what it's going down. This dude threw parties bigger than the party you've ever thrown, right? Your little 16 little thing that you had back in the day or when you turned 21 and seven of your friends came. Like this dude knew, this dude knew how to throw a party, right? This dude went after it. And I guess he eventually got tired of what waking up with a with a hangover and a tattoo on his lower back, uh, he decided he had to move on with his life and actually make something of y'all laugh because somebody in here has that and I'm sorry if that joke offended not really but it's funny make something of of his life right and so we move on into into into, into verse uh, four and six and this is what it says or we read it but he then says like. Uh, he, he, he wants to do something more productive. He wants to build something, and he wants to, uh, he has a bit of a green thumb, we'll say, okay? So he built a temple made out of gold, okay? You use your bricks, you use your wood. He's going to build it out of gold and precious stones, and it's going to take him seven years to build it. He built him a house, which took 14 years, and then... He, this is probably the wisest thing he's ever done. He built a house for all of his wives. Such a smart man, right? <laughs> we'll talk about it later. He had 300 wives, so I get it. Like, he had like a neighborhood, what he had. Okay, he had a neighborhood, maybe a small city. But this is this guy, right? He's like, I'm going to build something. I'm going to do, do it well. I'm going to do it very well. He says he still doesn't want to be outdone, and he says he has this little green thumb, and so he he doesn't want to build a garden. He want, he he he's like you go out there and you plant your little pansies and your geraniums. He builds a forest, right, and then he builds these pools that actually can be seen today. These large, like lakeside pools to water his national park that he had, apparently, right. Right? This is what he did. So if you think that you're more productive than he is, no. Satisfaction wasn't found in that. And if you, you know, there's a people in here, there's you're more hippie than some of us are, and you like the trees a little more than some of us do. He's like, I'm more hippie than you. I'm more green than you. This is what I did. I built a forest. And then to water that forest, just in case the rain, or in the, you know, like this is a desert, like, I, guess what? have a lake to water that and you can still i mean literally you can go now and you can see these these massive craters that he used but even he says that being productive is vanity it was meaningless he basically is saying he became like a modern day richie rich he woke up at 11 o'clock maybe noon who knows rolled out of bed Someone cooked him breakfast, chewed it up, served it to him. Then he moved over, got a massage, a mani-a-pedi, and just tried to enjoy life to take it easy. 
Like I said, when he would entertain himself, he would entertain himself with the finest. He didn't, he didn't go and download something. He went and got the greatest musician that was there. He went and got the biggest band, and he brought them in for the entertainment. So on top of this, this dude, uh, King Solomon, uh, was, um, was infamous for women. Dude had 700 wives. I know what you're thinking. Wow, 700. I mean, how can you keep one woman happy, much less 700? I'm married. I can say that. Um, then he had 300 concubines on top of that. Solomon wasn't experiencing love, but big lust. And he ran after pleasure, making Hugh Hefner look like a little kid. He just ran after it in every area that we think you can find satisfaction and fulfillment in. Solomon tries everything, but bigger and better than everyone ever will. He says, I was popular. He, he, right now, like, bring into the context, like, he would, he would have 500 million Instagram followers. He would be the it guy that everybody would want to hang out. I mean, he's throwing parties with 15 to 20K people. Like, that's a lot of people, Right? He's got a lot of friends. People want to hang him. He says in verse 10, whatever he desired, he got tired and couldn't think of any other fantasy, pleasure, or satisfaction that he did it all. And then in verse 11, he ends, em, ends by saying all was vanity. And like we begin off, he said he did everything and still found himself back in the same place where he started. You say, Josh, man, this is a depressing book. Like, but the, the reality is, is that Ecclesiastes does us a service. And here's why it does us a service. Because we have, and it, it shows us that we will never be fully satisfied here in earthly things. Take the, the, that Instagram celebrity that you think has everything together. They don't. I can tell you right now, I know a billionaire. And I can tell you that he calls me on the regular crying. He has problems. He's got the nice car. He's got the nice friends. Matter of fact, <laughs> at his birthday party two years ago, he flew in Nelly. <laughs> like, the reality is, is that you can never have enough money, or you can even go to the other side of it. You can never give enough money away. You can never stop wanting popularity or significance. You're always then going to search for the next person to like you, and it's just gonna, the, the goalpost is just going to continue to move further and further on down. You will never have a, enough sex. You will never, the pleasure will never be enough. You look at some really, really extreme things of pleasure, well, well, what happens is people begin to go down sex, and they think sex is going to be fulfilling. And then it, when it's not as fulfilling, when it gets boring, then they sort of expand to find other things that are more pleasurable. And then it just continues and it continues. And it's just this never-quenching things. You will never have enough stuff. The reality is we have an eternal hole that needs to be filled. So what is the answer? The answer is this. 
The answer is looking towards eternity through the lens and the person of Jesus. It sounds really cliche in Sunday school, but I'm going to break it down into three things. Break it down into three things. So if you're taking notes, at least take these three parts. You are, here's the first one. You are never going to be fully satisfied until you're fully satisfied in Christ. Let me say that again. Because if you can accept this truth, it will be completely life-changing. You are never going to be fully satisfied in life until you are fully satisfied in Christ. Let me give you an example. So my wife and I, my wife's name is Brooke. We have five daughters. Yep, you heard that. I'm a minority in a sorority. <coughs> Lots of estrogen flowing around in my house. Um, but, but before we got married, I had this idea in my head that everything that, that my future wife was going to look a specific way, act a specific way, not have a bunch of baggage, not have all these different things. And when my wife and I began to date... I just pushed off. I pushed it off like, you know, we went through the season of uh, ups and downs, and I, I, I wasn't committed to her. I would just sort of like, uh, no, I don't think we should. And the reality was is I was struggling with my own mindset of that, that I was searching for someone to completely satisfy me in every area. And the reality is, is that man in general— Mankind, woman, men, all, everything encompassing. Humans are going to fail you in life. So if you search for satisfaction in someone else, it is always going to let you down. And I was in Norfolk, Virginia, in the airport, going down the escalator, and God just spoke to me and he said, Josh, you're never going to be fully satisfied in Brooke until you're fully satisfied in me. And what that does is it says, Jesus, you, you satisfy my, 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 my quench and my thirst. So therefore, like over here, like I don't need to go to her for all these things that anything that she has to give to me is extra. It's supplementary because when I look at love, like, God, you've given me all the love, and you're my expectation. So my wife, man, there's no pressure on her. There's no expectation on her. There's, I'm not searching for satisfaction in her because I found it over there. Because, therefore, I'm, I'm finding everything there, so I'm here and I'm present and knowing that you're not going to satisfy me because Jesus already satisfied So it doesn't matter if you satisfy me because Jesus already has. Pull your wife out of the pool. Pull the, 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 the girl out of there and plug anything you want in life. That thing is never going to satisfy you. Success is never going to satisfy you. You're never going to make enough money until you are fully satisfied in Jesus and, you, and he satisfies you, your quench in success and is striving after. You, you put whatever you want. And then, and only then, will things become somewhat quenching. The second thing that I want to share is this point right here. He knows what's best for you more than you know what's best for you. He knows what's best for you more than you know what's best for you. 
I'm assuming most of you in this room have been to school. Right? Okay. Yeah, I'm just, I'm just, it's, it's don't, just throwing it out there, seeing if anybody, still there. You guys awake out there? Imagine if you went in for a midterm or a final and you didn't study. Right? You just stayed up all night playing video games or talking to your boo about who knows who, right? I don't know. And you didn't study. And you walked in to your midterm or your final, and you were completely not prepared. And you sat down, and you were like, oh, man, this is, I got like a, like a, like a 67 in this class. This is. This is the, this could really sink my ship. This is I might I might have to like retake this for the ninth time. Like I don't know what's going on, right? True story. I did that. Uh, but if you sit down and you're beginning to like just like sweat bullets, you're just like, oh man, this is. And you're looking through the midterm. You're just like, what's going on? And I'm just gonna fail this thing. And all of a sudden, out of the blue, your teacher walks up to you. Professor, sorry, your professor walks up to you, and he says, hey. See, you're struggling over there. Let me, let me, let me take that test for you. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, bro. That's probably what y'all would say. Yeah, bro. Of course. You're thinking in your head. You made the test. You are the key, right? I was hoping for like some huge curve, <laughs> but no, you. Yes, definitely. Here's my test. Take it. It's easy for us to understand that in the context of school. But here we have a God who created us. And here we are with our problems and all the things that are going on in our lives and our avenues of trying to find satisfaction. And we're like, I got it. God's like, are, are you sure? You know, I created the test. And I, I got it. I got it. I, I know. Yeah. God knows what's best for you more than you know what's best for you. And the last point is this. Invest in what matters. These three things, I believe that Solomon, you can pull out of, out, of, out of Ecclesiastes, but in this third point, this is another thing where we can live with eternity in mindsets. Invest in what matters. You can find someone maybe who has experienced life and they're laying on their deathbed. And they, knew, they know that their, their, their time is, is nearing and I can guarantee you, none of them are thinking, if I could have just made another dollar, or if I, man, if I could have just bought that one car that one time, that would have been so great. Or, man, if I would have found another follower. Or, man, I wish so-and-so would have liked me. No. When they're on their deathbed, they're thinking, man, I hope I left a legacy. 
hoped I lived a life of meaning. I hoped they wanted to spend time with their family. They wanted to spend time with those that are comfortable. Can I get one last minute with them? I wish I would have invested in a person. That's what it means to invest in what matters. The reality is this, Collective, is that you are not here to make a living. You are here to make a difference. If you put on the name of Jesus, there's a beautiful exchange that happens. You then say, guess what? I'm giving up the pursuit of everything that I have for the pursuit of you, of, of, of who you are. I want others to see Jesus through me. And it's in this that I ask you, what are you searching for? What are you satisfied in? I think if many of you were to be honest in this room right now, you would sit here and you would say, you know what? Dude, you're, you're right. I'm an athlete. I'm popular. I'm going through life. I have everything. But, dude, I'm just like you, Josh. I go home at night. And I remove my mask. And I'm broken. And nothing has been quenching. And I haven't, I don't know where to go. If you're here today, I want to tell you, it's okay. Jesus is there to take that test for you. And he says, look, no matter where you're at, no matter if you're going to try every tunnel or you've already walked down every tunnel and you've already experienced things and you've already done whatever it may be, he says, I'm here to freely take your weight and to say, hey, guess what? You don't have to run after satisfaction that he is here to satisfy all that you have. And so if you were here today and you say, Josh, I don't even understand this lingo that you're using I don't even know who this Jesus I've heard. I know he died upon a cross, but I don't know what that looks like. And, 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 but I do know that I've tried and I've ran after it, and I've tried to experience all these different outlets of, of satisfaction that you mentioned. If you're here with today, and I just want to say, hey, I want to introduce you to the person of Jesus and what it looks like to have an intimate and personal relationship with Jesus. Not a religious thing, not a, hey, let's clean you up thing, but what it looks like to walk daily and intimately with this dude that we're talking about. Or maybe you're here and you're saying, yeah, I know Jesus, but man, for some reason I've stumbled. And I've, I've just been running after satisfaction and I'm not living with eternity in, 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 in my vision. And I'm not running after it and I'm not... And maybe you just need to come down and pray. And you just want to spend some time at the steps and saying, God, I, I, I've, I've, I've been chasing this. And it's, and it's just not quenching. If I'm, I'm just going to be honest, like, it's just not satisfying. There's going to be people here to pray with you if you need prayer on both sides. And maybe today you're like, you know what? 
I want to take a next step in my journey, and I want to just, like, I want to get baptized. Like, baptism for us is something that we celebrate huge here at the crossing. And I can think of no better time as this year is closing to say, hey, I'm going to take this next step in following Jesus. And I want everybody to know that I'm running away from the satisfaction of the world and I'm sacrificially saying, Jesus, you are mine, and I want everyone to know. You have a decision to make. Some of you may be thinking, oh, I was a college student. Some of the things I'm talking about, it's not foreign. This is reality for some of you. I'm asking that you take off your mask and ask yourself, where have I been finding satisfaction? And begin to live with eternity in mind. Let's stand with me and let's pray. Daddy, I thank you so much for how much you love us. God, I pray. I've experienced life. I've navigated through life. And I can sit up here and plead with these students to not make decisions or to live a life with eternity in, in, in mind. But here your word says, like vanity, vanity. Everything is meaningless because we die. But if we live with what's after death, we live with, what's ex- with eternity on our mind, then everything that we do here changes. We'd ask that your spirit would move and to have its way. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.